We've been talking about seeing, seizing, and taking advantage of God-given opportunities. Seeing, seizing, and taking advantage of God-given opportunities. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your Bible, whether it's on your phone or whatever. I don't see some people. Y'all got your phone back on the back row. It's, we have to learn how to confess the word of God. Say, this is my Bible. I believe what it says. It has the power to transform my faith, my family, and my future. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's say it again. This is my Bible. I believe what it says. It has the power to transform my faith, my family, and my future. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk to you about how to take advantage of God-given opportunities. Now we've been talking about seeing, we've been talking about seizing the God-given opportunities, but what I want to talk about on today is how to take advantage of them. Um, Can I get my title slide up there, Thomas? Um, How to take advantage of God-given opportunities. There can be opportunities that are presented to you and be waiting right there for you, but you have to learn how to take advantage of them. We got anybody have some things that God has promised you? What am I talking about? Those things that God has promised you, those things that that you know within a shadow of a doubt that God said this is for you. Now we've been talking about how to weed out uh, um, those opportunities that are not of God. We've been talking about how not to walk through those doors that are not of God. Amen. That's what we've been talking about: sin and season. So now we want to. By now you should know how to recognize. Um, the God-given opportunities. And so now what we want you to do, we wanna, I want to teach you on today on how to take advantage of those God-given opportunities. So um, we talked about faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and this is, uh, I'm going to walk through the scriptures with you on today. Okay? So, The first thing that we have to do in order to take advantage of God-given opportunities is my point number one, which is get rid of carnal ways. Get rid of carnal ways. A lot of us don't like to talk about that. We don't want to think that we have some carnal ways. But think about this. Let's look at what the definition of carnal is. The definition of carnal means relating to physical needs and activities. It's pertaining to the flesh and to the body. And it's motivated by fleshly desires. Okay, let me read it again. Relating to physical needs and activities. It's pertaining to the flesh, to your body. And then it's motivated by fleshly desires. What do I mean? A lot of times when, when, when funds are short, the thing that we need, sometimes we think about, well, I need to get a second job. Y'all understand me? Let, let me get a second job because this will help to compensate the, the shortage that's over here. Okay? And, and, and so God's, you know, it's, it may not meant for you, be meant for you to go get a part-time job. It may mean for you just to have faith in what God has already said is yours and maybe make some adjustments in your own personal life when it comes to money management. Amen? Amen. Or, um, for instance, God is saying you are already healed and he, he's walked you in an area and he's telling you, look, don't, and, and prime example, yesterday I stepped off of the curb wrong. And when I stepped off of the curb wrong, I twisted my back. Well, my first thought was, was to take some medication or to take um, um, some Motrin or a muscle relaxer. But then I heard the Spirit of the Lord tell me, walk it out. 
So my flesh was saying to go and get the medicine. Now I'm not knocking medicine, but the spirit of the Lord said, walk it out. And so the more that I walked it out, the better that my back became. Y'all following me? Y'all following me? So our carnal way would try to satisfy a godly need by a fleshly desire. We try to satisfy a a godly thing or trying to walk through a door that says that, that God says you can only walk through if you're walking according to my spirit. But a lot of times we're trying to bust the door down and walk through it without the anointing of God. Y'all following me? Okay. All right. So we got to get rid of some carnal ways. Let's look at Genesis 3, 1 and 6 and see how this works. Genesis 1, 3 through 6 says the serpent was the shrewdest, shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He was what? He was the shrewdest. And it says one day he asked the woman, did God not really say You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Now this is the serpent. The serpent was like, you know, hey. um, And then verse 3, it says, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied. Now Eve knew, because God had already said, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. But what did the serpent say? He came with a lie to counteract the truth. And he says, you won't die. And the serpent replied to the woman, next verse. And it says, God knows that your eyes will be open. So in other words, this is Satan having a conversation with the woman of God. And it said, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat. And you will be like God. Serpent is saying, look, eat this and you will be like God. Knowing both good and evil. Now, Eve had every promise that she could ever want. She she had everything that she could ever want. But so now, here we come. There is a a lie that's counteracting the truth. The truth that she already knew. And Satan was there to make it happen. He said, look. He said, your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Next verse. And it says, the woman was what? She was what? She was convinced by a lie. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom. She wanted what? Now she already had all of the wisdom that she needed to have. But Satan convinced her that she did not have the wisdom that she already possessed. And that's what Satan does to us a lot of times. The blessings and the, and the anointing and the very power of God that we already possess. Satan comes and counteracts it with a lie and says that you don't have the power of God. You don't have the anointing and the ability to receive and grab hold of the promises that God has already promised you. And so it says that she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband too, who was with her and he ate too. And now we know that this was about the fall of man. So let's look at how how this kind of correlates to fleshly desires. It says that Eve saw... The fruit was good for food. So in other words, she saw it and she said, this will satisfy my natural desire. This will satisfy my desire to know more. This will satisfy my desire to be like God. She was already as much as like God as God was going to make her. She already was walking in the promises of God, but because of the lie that was told and she accepted the lie, she then began to try to fulfill her fleshly desire, the lust of the flesh. So how does it work? Carnality comes first of all through the lust of our flesh. What makes us feel good? This feels good to me, so I'm going to do it. 
All of us have an opportunity to say no to our flesh. All of us have an opportunity to tell our flesh that you need to be crucified because the Bible tells us to crucify our flesh, to bring our flesh up under subjection. How do you bring your flesh up under subjection? You bring your flesh up under subjection by telling it no. I'm not going to feed into you today. I'm not going to feed into your attitude today. I'm not going to feed into this which makes me feel good. We tell it no, lust of the flesh. The next thing was she saw it was pleasing to the eye in appearance. It looked good to her. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. It looks good. It smells good. It's it's on point. And we end up, we take it. And I I use, let me use a car for an example. We go go on a car lot. And I just got my car serviced on yesterday. And and looking around and seeing a new car. Now my car is paid for. But the lust of my eyes could say you need a new car. That car over there looks good. Go look at it. Go touch it. Go feel it. And then by the time you go and you touch and you feel, there's a representative out there saying, hey, are you you looking in the market for a new car? No, I'm not looking. Well, come on, let's just test drive it anyway. And see, that's how the enemy will work with us. He said, come on and test drive this a little bit. Just, just, Just sit down in it just a little bit. Come on and test ride this. Come on and drive this just for, and so you get to driving and oh, this is feeling good. And the next thing you know, he said, well, come on in my office and let me see what numbers I can work for you. Satan works the same way. Come sit down just a little bit. Come touch it just a little bit. Come ride with me just a little bit. It's not going to hurt. And before you know it, you done signed on the dotted line. And now you got something that you can't even pay for. In bondage. That's how the lust of the eyes work. And, the lust of the, and then the pride of life is said that make you wise. This will make me be like such and such. This will make me, I will finally be able to do this. I will finally be able, if I do this, I'm going to be able to do such and such and such. If I just do this. Uh, uh, Satan presented it to Eve and said that this will make me wise. Make me like everybody else. It'll make me like God. The scripture said it. I didn't didn't it say it'll make me like it'll make me wise like God. And so who are you trying to be like? I asked you that question. Who are you trying to be like? Who in your mind are you trying to measure up to? And because you're trying to measure up to that which you see in your mind. That what you're thinking, you're doing things that correspond to what you're thinking. And I'm going to talk about that in a little while. So we talked about getting rid of carnal ways. We got to get rid of the lust of our flesh. The lust of our eyes and the pride of life. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, But you aren't spirit, who, but you who aren't spiritual can't receive the truth from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. In other words, you cannot take hold of the God-given opportunities of your walking in your flesh. It says that those who aren't spiritual can't receive what? The truths of God. Y'all following me? Am I, you with me? I see Sister Michelle over there. Yes. In the flesh you cannot receive the things of the spirit. Because the Bible says that no flesh shall glory in the presence of God. And because no flesh can glory in the presence of God, that means that your flesh cannot receive and take hold of those things that are in the spirit. Why? Because they're only spiritually discerned. That's the word. That's the word. When we walk in our flesh, it sounds foolish. It sounds foolish. It sounds foolish. 
when God tells you, get off your job. But God, I got bills to pay. But Lord, I got this and I have this. And God says, get off of your job. And I'm a prime example. How am I going to make it, God? And God said, I'll supply all of your needs. But your flesh is saying, no, 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 no. I got bills. I got a family to take care of. I got this. I have that. And God is constantly saying, "Is get off your job. And so, therefore, you stay on your job. And all hell breaks loose. And I'm not telling nobody to get off their job, please. You got to hear from God. I'm just using that as an example. And so we stay somewhere. Or let me use this. Start a business. We have people in here who have businesses in them. And and you've been waiting and, and pausing and procrastinating and starting the business. And you've been talking yourself out of going down and getting your business license. You've been talking yourself out of going to the state corporation commission and getting your, your state license. You've been talking yourself out of, and God says, open up the business. But you can't, because you are in your carnal mind, you can't even think of, you can't even begin to receive what God is saying. And so it says it sounds foolish, and they they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So when the spirit speaks to you, when you are walking in the spirit of God, you will understand what the spirit is saying to you. It says that he who is, is, what's the scripture? I always misquote it. Uh, Sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Yeah, he who are the sons of God and the women of God, they are led by the spirit of God. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 50. 1 Corinthians 15 and 50 says, what am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And what do I mean? The kingdom of God is right here on earth. We're all looking at when we get to heaven, oh, by by and by. But no, we can pull kingdom right down here on earth. It says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in what? So that means that we can pull those things that are in the kingdom. We can pull kingdom blessings down on our life right here on this earth. Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. We can pull kingdom down. Reach up and say, I'm pulling kingdom down. You can pull the very kingdom of down here on earth. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. My God. I got excited off of that. Let's look at Romans 8, 6 and 8. Romans 8, 6 and 8 says, So letting your sinful nature, and and we're talking about getting rid of carnal ways. How do we get rid of carnal ways? First of all, we got to deal with the lust of our what? Our lust of our flesh. We got to deal with the lust of what? And the lust of our what? Pride. Pride will kill us every time. It says pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before the fall. Am I right, Pastor? Pride. A lot of us won't won't receive the things of God because we're walking in pride. Anyway, um, 6 and 8 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. But letting the spirit control your mind... Leads to what? It's going to, the spirit controls our what? When you think about that, when the spirit controls your mind, you, before you ever do something, it's a thought that crosses your mind first. And so therefore, if we let the spirit of God control our mind, that which we think, then our body We'll soon follow what our mind is thinking. And so when we let the sinful nature control our mind and do whatever it wants to do, it leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Let's look at the next verse. It says, for the sinful nature is always hostile. It's what? Hostile Hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Verse 8. 
And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Go back to the next verse. Verse 7. It says, for the sinful nature is hostile to God. I have a question to ask you. How many are are you living in hostility to God? How many? And I and I had to I had to look at myself. That scripture says when we let our sinful nature control us, we are living in opposition to God. We are living in opposition to God. God wanting to do something. And, and Paul says it this way: that which I would do, I do not do, and that which I don't want to do, I do. We're living in opposition to what God wants when we live in our fleshly and sinful nature. And I'm just going to use carnality when we live in the flesh. When we don't allow the spirit of God to control the flesh. So how do we get rid of carnality? First of all, we get rid of carnality by decontaminating our lives through the word of God. Decontamination means to remove all of the dangerous substances There are things that are within our life which may be contaminating my life may not be your problem. Each of us in here have our own areas that we need to allow to be decontaminated. What do I mean? Things we listen to. Things we watch. People we hang around. Can I get something to wipe my face with? People we hang around. Listening to the wrong people. Contamination. Contamination. Some things that God said let go. We're still holding on to. Contamination. Some things that God said to do. We're sitting in our own self and saying no. Contamination. So we have to decontaminate our lives. How do we decontaminate our lives? Let's look at 1 Peter 2 and 1. 1 Peter 2 and 1 says, so get rid of. God is not going to take it from you. Get rid of all evil behavior and be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Yeah. And I ain't talking about nobody. Some of y'all need to get rid of a cussing spirit. Oh, it's quiet in here. <laughs> you may not cuss, but you may say things out of your mouth and participate in conversations that you ain't got no business participating in as a, as a child of God. Oh, girl, let me just tell you, you may gossip. I, 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 I'm not gossiping, but I just want you, to, I, I want to talk to you about it and, and, and tell you we need to be in agreement with. And you begin to tell people's business. Amen. Or you begin to chatter and, and backbite and nitpick. Tearing somebody down. Negativity. God said get rid of it. Get rid of the negativity. He said get rid. You get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? By just what I was singing about before I started speaking was saying yes to God in every area of your life. Surrendering every part of your life, your mouth, your your flesh, every area, surrendering it to God and saying, God, this is in me and I need to get rid of this. I need to let this go and and I need your help. So I'm surrendering and giving you my all. Let's look at the next way. Feed your heart or feed our heart and mind the God's word. We get rid of carnality by first of all decontaminating ourselves through the word of God. And then we got to feed our heart, the mind and heart and mind God's word. Um 1 Peter 2 and 2 3 says like newborn babes you must what? Crave pure spiritual milk. Hold on, you must what? Crave. Crave. Crave the pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience, grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Next verse. It says, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Go back to verse 2. It said, to what cry out 
for the nourishment. Crave it. Stop craving all of these other things. We talked about the the, the flesh, carnality. Stop craving the things of your flesh and begin to say, God, give me a craving and a hunger for the things that pertain to you, for your word. Because it's going to help me to grow. Got to feed it constantly. Eat it, eat it. And I'm finding myself, I, I gotten into a little swing. I was, um, I was, uh, started just, what was it? Um, celebrity house. What's that? What's that? So celebrity what? House guest or house. Mm-mm. Yeah. Big brother's house. Yeah. I got, I got caught up in watching that. And I was like, and Pastor Robert, he would look at me and I was like, it ain't no harm. Now, it ain't nothing wrong with it, but how many of you, it's celebrity. It's just, it was crazy. I mean, they're going and fussing and fighting and guests living in a home. What, 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 what kind of value was that adding to my life? None. Pastor, yeah, I did. I told Pastor, he would come here, what you watching? Don't judge me. <laughs> But I ain't going to say I judge him watching Blue Bloods every Friday night. <laughs> anyway, I ain't going to cast no shade. Um, but seriously, and then I started thinking, what is this adding value to my life? This ain't adding nothing to my life. I had gotten caught up in scandal when it was years ago, watching scandal, and the Holy Spirit convicted me so bad. I was loving Carrie Washington and how she was playing her role. She was the bomb with it. But then I started, and the Holy Spirit, I was watching, and it started convicting me. And I said, I can't watch this no more. But I could have overrode the Spirit and continued to watch it and see what happens is there is a voice and a Spirit within you that says, no, don't do this. Let this go. And a lot of times we press override. We press override because it's not in, in line with how we're feeling. We're not, well, I'm just resting right now. I'm letting my mind, I'm letting my mind rest right now. I'm letting it just, I'm just having a woosah moment. <laughs> Have a woosah moment with the word of God. Something that's going to feed you. I, and I'm not picking on nobody because I'm talking about Pastor Wendy right now. <laughs> y'all laugh because y'all done it. Oh, I'm just going to sleep in a little longer. And the Holy Spirit is constantly telling you, get up and pray. Get up and read your word. And so you, you, you override and you press, the, you press the snooze button on God. And, you, and, and I'm going to get up, Lord. I, you know you got to be to work by a certain time. But God says, get up and pray. And so you press the snooze button on God. And you really don't get an opportunity to spend any time with him. But, and then you get to work. And all everything breaks loose. Everything seems like it's chaotic. But God was trying to prepare you before you ever got to work. But you press the snooze button on God. He was trying to prepare you for your day because he already knew what you were going to encounter, but you pressed the snooze button. And so God said, well, fine, you wanted to fulfill the desire of your flesh? All right, here we go. And a lot of times we are proactive, we are retroactive instead of proactive. What do I mean? We wait until we get into the midst of things to try to deal with something when God tries to prepare us ahead of time instead of being proactive. Ah, Jesus. Next thing that we have to do to get rid of carnality is we have to accept the light of truth. Now, when I was studying this, it was good. It said, if Holy Spirit detects anything in us that's wrong, he doesn't ask us to make it right. Let me read this. It says, if Holy Spirit detects anything in us that's wrong, he doesn't ask us to make it right. He only asks us to accept the light of the truth and then he'll make it right. What do I mean? Let's look at a scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 
17 and 18 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Let's go to verse 17. In other words, we have to, all, we have to recognize that we are in Christ. Accept the truth. When you, when you confess the Lord Jesus Christ over your life, or when you pray to God for something, or, or whatever it is concerning your life, you have to know without a shadow of a doubt, I don't care what anybody says about you, that you belong to Christ. I may not be all that you want me to be, or I may not look the way you want me to be, but I am a new person, whether I feel like I'm a new person or not. I am in Christ Jesus. I believe and I receive the promises of God that I am in Christ, and I don't care what I continue to do. I'm going to speak to my, my flesh and say that the old life is gone. Look, you're gone. New life has begun. Speak to yourself. Look, self. New life has begun. Self, old life, got to sit down. We have to accept the fact and know that we are a child of the Most High God. Let's look at 1 John 1, 5 through 9. 1 John 1, 5 through 9. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. It says what? We're not what? Practicing. We have to practice this thing. We'll always get it right. Next verse. And it says, but if we are living in the light, the light of the truth, As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Next verse. Uh, That's it. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Next. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So we have to believe that if we're if he, that if we confess our sins to God, accept the light of the truth, accept the truth of the fact that if we give it to God, God is going to clean it up. What did I say? Holy Spirit is not asking for us to do the job. All He's asking us to do is just to say, "Hey, I, I recognize that I got a nasty attitude. I recognize that I got." Uh, uh, issue with this I recognize that I got a cussing problem I recognize stop lying to yourself to thine own self be true but it's so much easier to look in the mirror and, and look at somebody else and find out somebody else's fault and be willing and saying well I ain't as bad as them or either e- e- even justify it well I'm saved they ain't so what you know the truth, so you're going you're gonna to have a greater measure from God than the person that does not know the truth. And the thing is, what we want to do is we're so busy looking at what's wrong with everybody else instead of looking in the mirror at ourselves. And I had to do this for myself on yesterday. I got a little heated. I was a little warm. And I can't tell y'all why I was warm. I was a little warm. Y'all know me. I tell on myself. I was a little warm yesterday. And I, 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 I could have stayed there. And for about, I'm going to say for about 30 minutes, I did stay there. I had a conversation that was really good in my own mind. Boy, everybody was answering me. I had a full, you would have thought I had a room full of people with me. Just talking and, and saying what they, and let me tell you this. And Holy Spirit said, get up from this computer. Get up from this computer. Thank you. And walk around this house and pray. And I I picked up the bottle of oil off of my desk and I slung it across my head. 
I put it all on my, I put it on my feet. I said everywhere, I, I, I command for this spirit to leave this house right now. Now, it won't nothing going on in the house because Pastor Robert won't there. So don't think it was y'all. Don't even worry about that. It was all just me having a little conversation. How the enemy, how I said the enemy slid in and was talking to Eve. The enemy was talking to me. And I had to catch myself. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going down like this. And I got up and I began to just confess the word of God. I opened up the book. I opened up the word of God and began to walk. And I began to yell and scream in the name of Jesus. I command for this spirit to leave me now. I command for this. I was just going to town. And then I sat right back down at my computer like ain't nothing had happened. But I tell you what. All of that that was going on with me was gone. Because I accepted the fact that I have the power to be able to tell this flesh no. You have the power to be able to tell your flesh no. Tell your flesh no right now. No. A lot of us been saying yes to our flesh too much. When God is saying say no to it. So let's look and I'm going to go right through these. So the first one was in order to receive the promises of God, we have to, we have to first of all get rid of what? Our carnal ways by focusing on God. The next one is we have to place a demand on the anointing. Through believing God's word. What do I mean? Place a demand on the anointing of God through believing his word. Let's look at Luke 1, 42 and 45. See, a lot of us are not receiving what God has said because we haven't learned how to place a demand on the anointing of God. Luke 1, 42, verse 42 and 45, is that in there, Tom? I can read it. Probably not, I think. Let's look at uh, Luke. Luke, Luke, Luke. Let me get it real quick. Luke 1. Okay. It says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Next verse. It says, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you what? You believe the word, the Lord, you believe that the Lord would do what he said. We place a demand on the anointing of God by believing that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. We place a demand on God by believing he said what he said he's going to do. His word. He's not going to come back and write any more words. So we have to learn and we have to believe what the word of God says. And when we believe what the word of God says, God says, I got to perform my word. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Let's look at Matthew 8, 2 and 3. Matthew 8, 2 and 3 says, Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him saying, Lord, the man said, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He said, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed of thy leprosy. And instantly the leprosy was disappeared. What that leper did was he put a demand on God. Let's go back to that next verse. It said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. I'm believing that you can heal me. I'm placing a demand on you, God, for my deliverance. I know, God, that you can deliver me. I know that you can set me free. I know that you can bring about victory in my life. You're standing and saying, God, I know that you can do this. But if you're willing, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
God, your will, if it's your will, God, I believe it's your will that I walk in wholeness. I believe it's your will that I walk in prosperity. I believe it's your will that I walk in peace and walk in victory. I believe it's your will that I walk with a sound mind. That's the word of God. And because I believe that you will, that you can do this for me, God says I got to do it. Because you believe that I can do that. You're putting demand on him. You know how it is. You don't nobody like for anyone to say, I demand you to do this. But God says, I'm waiting for you. Because when you believe my word, then I got to do it. Because I'm not going to disappoint you. I'm not going to let my word turn back void. I'm not going to sit there and, and, and you believe in my word. And then, then I not perform it. Let's look at Mark 9. And seeing how, seeing how when there was a demand placed on God and the word, he had to perform his word. Let's look at, like, look, let's look at Mark 9, 18. It says, and whenever the spirit seizes him. So in other words, what was happening was, let me give you a little, little backdrop on this story. Backdrop on the story was was that there was a young boy, and and he was filled with the evil spirit, and the evil spirit would violently throw him to the ground, make him foam at the mouth, grind his teeth, and become stiff as a board. So, in other words, what we probably would call it during this day, he he had seizures. He was going through seizures. And so it says, so I asked um, your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. And so Jesus goes on and he, he tells the faithless generation, he says, um, but bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy to me. It says, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, there's some things that, that, that the enemy don't want you to get rid of. And so it said, when, when, when the evil spirit saw Jesus, uh, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. There's some things that the enemy don't want you to get rid of. And so what he does is he starts to, to, to kind of turn it up even more. And you, you and saying, no, uh-uh, but you're saying, Lord, I surrender this. How many of you, and I, a prime example of this is that you have, you have confessed and stood on the word of God. And it seems like everything else, it starts getting worse and worse before it gets better. That's the best way I can explain that. And it threw him to the ground. And so he said, bring the boy to me. And Jesus asked the father. He says, how long has this been happening? And it says, since he was very small. And so the verse that I really want to capitalize on, it says, the evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Enemies out for keeps. And the father said, have mercy on us. Do something if you can. In other words, he was placing a demand on Jesus for the healing of his son. If you can. There's times that you may not be sure, but if you say, God, if you can. God, if you can do this, if you can do that. Lord, I'm placing a demand on you. And listen to this. And the reason why I brought this up is because our faith is not always at, at, at 100. There's times that we doubt God. There's times that we doubt that really what's going on is that what God wants us to have. We doubt because the enemy will throw up a smoke screen. And he says, if you can. And Jesus said, if I can. Anything is possible if a person what? If a person believes and the father instantly replied, I do believe, but what? Help my unbelief. Help me to overcome my unbelief, God. So if you're having a hard time believing, then you ask God, help me to overcome my unbelief. 
Because the moment that you begin to start believing God and believing the things that God has said, believing and confessing his word, he, you put a demand on God. And as I said before, you're pulling the kingdom down into your life. You're pulling the kingdom down into your life. You're pulling the promises of God down into your life. You're pulling the inheritance that is rightfully yours. We're adopted into the family. And when you get adopted into the family, everything that the father has is yours. We have to stop living like paupers and begin to start living like kingdom kids. I want to live like a kingdom kid. I want you to live like a kingdom kid. I want to be the lender and not the bar. I want to be the head and not the tail. God said I can have it. Stop living beneath your means. Live like kingdom kids. We're ki- I mean, come on, how attractive is it for the world? And the world sees us barely getting by. The world sees us living less than. What attraction is that to the fire, to, uh, 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 to people who are looking for hope? It's none. We got to begin to live like kingdom kids. And the last point that I have. Is we got to give voice to his word. Give voice to God's word. Let's look at Psalms 103 and 20. Psalms 103 and 20 says. 103 and 20 says. Praise the Lord you angels. You mighty ones who carry out his plans. And they do what? Listening. For each of his commands. In order to listen There has to be something that is spoken. In order for the angels to carry out the very plans of God, there has to be something that is spoken. So therefore, when you speak the word of God, the angels grab a hold of it and began to put it into motion. When you speak the word, the angels began to say, oh, wait a minute, Father, here you go. And so therefore, it begins to, and the angels begin to go and do work. See, the thing is, we don't believe in angels, but angels do God's bidding too. They carry out and they help to carry out the plan of God. Let's look at Daniel 10 and 12. Daniel 10 and 12 says, then he said, don't be afraid. Daniel, since the first day you began to what? Pray. Pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your request has been heard in heaven and I have come to answer your prayer. The very first day that you surrendered, the very first day that you said, God, deal with this situation. God said, I heard your prayer. See, a lot of us want to talk, speak silent prayers. Get out your head and come out, let it come out your mouth. Start speaking as it says, pray the first day. So that means what God hears, he hears our request. We got to say something, you, you guys. We got to put a demand and put voice to his word. Speak his word. Speak his word. Let's look at Psalms 91 and 10. Tell you, you can get on the. Psalms 91 and 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, O Lord. Do not abandon those who search for you. When we search for God and we give voice to his word, He's not going to abandon us. We may not be able to quote the word of God verbatim. Pastor Robert is excellent. And I, you know, he, he hates when I do this, but I love the fact that he can read something and know where it's at and know how to quote it. That's why I always look to him. Ain't that right, Pastor Robert? I can paraphrase. But see, a lot of us get caught up in, I don't know. All of it. But if you just know one. If you just know how to say, Lord, you know, you you can save me. That's in the Bible. Lord, I don't have to have a spirit of fear. You may not know where that scripture is that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. All you got to say is, Lord, you ain't giving me no spirit of fear. That which you do know, begin to speak it. 
don't care if it's just one word. Speak it. Give voice to his word. Put it into action. Put it in the atmosphere. Stop letting it say here. Speak it out of your mouth. The Bible says that the word is nigh thee even unto thy mouth. Speak it out of your mouth. You want to see greatness in your life. Speak it out of your mouth. Stop speaking negativity. And when I thought about this, our voices can either open up the way or get in the way of God's plan. Our voices can either open up the way or get in the way of God's plan. What do I mean? Holy Spirit had to check me. A lot of times we're so busy talking about somebody. They need to get their life together. They need to do this and they need to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, well, if they need to do it, then pray what needs to be done in their life. Pray it. Speak it over their life. Speak those things that are not as though they were. Speak it out of your mouth. Stop speaking. A lot of things that we're seeing is because we're we're giving voice to it. And we're causing it to be manifested in the natural realm. When God said that's not the way I intended for it to be. You want to see loved ones change. Begin to speak change in loved ones lives. You want to see a change in your own life. Begin to declare in your life that which you desire to see. Our voices can either advance the plan of God in our lives or it can hinder it. I talked about a lot of us in here have businesses within us. And we're so busy saying that I can't do it. We're so busy walking in doubt and unbelief instead of saying, girl, get yourself together. You can do this. Man, get yourself. It's in you. Come on. You can do this. Speak it over your life. Speak over your life the word of God. Advance the plan of God in your life by saying it. Say what you want to see. 